in nurses are the most trusted profession in America, have been for decades. And that trust only went up over the last year. And trust is the bedrock of our democracy. And so as these challenges are coming up that could impact how easy or hard it is to vote, we we need even more the trusted messengers like nurses and like doctors and social workers to be helping patients get that last little mile to be able to vote. Hello, everyone. I'm Angela Rosa DiDonato. And I'm Marion Leary. And you're listening to Amplify Nursing, a Penn Nursing podcast supported by the Panola Fund for Innovation in Nursing. Amplify Nursing features nurses who are leading the way in science, policy, and innovation. Our guests defy stereotypes, define practice, and disrupt convention. We highlight the breadth and depth of nursing influence on society by amplifying nurses who are pushing boundaries and breaking down barriers to build a new paradigm. On this episode of Amplify Nursing, we talk to ER nurse David Scherer and COO of Vote ER, Ali Abatia. Founded by ER physician Dr. Alistair Martin, Vote ER is an organization that provides access to voter registration whenever patients and families come into the healthcare system. Today, we talk to Alia and David about Vote ER's mission, the intersectionality of health and civics, and helping those without a voice get one. I am here today with Aliyah and Davey from Vote ER. I am so excited to talk to you both. Thank you much. Thank you so much, Marian. It's a, it's a pleasure. Thank you again. Honored to be here with you, Marian. So let's set the stage a little. Before I get into having you both introduce yourselves, I think it'd be really important to just talk about your organization, Vote ER, and what that is all about, just to set the stage so people know going forward, why we're talking with you today. Absolutely. Vote ER works at the intersection of health and civic engagement. We primarily do voter registration in healthcare spaces, supporting anyone from a nurse to a social worker to a doctor to register their colleagues, their patients, family members to vote. And we also work directly with hospitals, uh, healthcare associations, all sorts of different health-related entities, community health centers, to do the same thing with their patient populations as well. This work in practice looks a lot of different ways. Uh, One way that it can look like is a healthy democracy kit. This is a lanyard that says ready to vote on it and has a badge and QR code where a person can use the QR code or a text code to start their voter registration process. Another way this can look is a hospital can participate in an initiative we have called Civic Health Month which allows them to celebrate and amplify the role of health and civic engagement every August. When did Vote ER begin? How did this come about? And what was the catalyst to making it happen? Such a great question. A few years ago, uh, our founder, Dr. Alistair Martin, uh, was seeing a patient and uh, it was cold outside. And the patient came in um, with a pain in her stomach, essentially. And the, they looked at her and they said, you know, what, what is this? What could it be? There doesn't seem to be anything specifically wrong with her. And when Dr. Martin checked in on her, it turned out that she had not been eating recently, that her stomach was being eaten away at because she was not able to eat. And he said, well, what changed? How did this happen? 
And she said, well, I lost one of my jobs and now I have to choose between paying for my dad's medication and eating a full meal. And I'm choosing paying for my dad's medication. And it was moments like that that led Dr. Martin to feel that we needed to have a way for healthcare providers to get upstream of those situations, to be able to help patients have voice in the policies that were shaping food policy and labor policy and all these pieces that had built up to her diagnosis. Because he couldn't prescribe her anything in that moment. There's no pill that solves hunger or solves not having a job. And from that, the idea of VODR came into being and resulted in um, a number of different ways of helping healthcare providers with voter registration. What's your role with the organization, Aliyah? I'm the chief operating officer. I had the opportunity to hop on board last year and uh, honestly didn't know at the time that the world was going to change the way that it has. And uh, what a year to be involved in VODR. The uh, world already knew about this idea of the social determinants of health, but last year it stared us in the face and we at VODR were able to respond to that and support healthcare providers like Davey to have something they could do in that moment to empower their colleagues and their patients. And I want to bring Davey in here in a minute, but Aaliyah, what is your background and what was your interest in getting involved with VODR? My path into health is a little less traditional. Uh, about six years ago, I was visiting a school that uh, was an elementary school and they put up the posters on the wall saying what different students were working on. And one of the posters said, how can we be different and still be friends? Another poster said, how can I start a business? Another poster said, what can we make that's good for the world? And it turns out that those projects were, I think in the order that I gave them, a kindergarten project, a fifth grade project, and a third grade project. And I looked at the people who had taken me on the tour and said, how can you do this? This is you know, a school in the middle of um, a subsidized apartment complex. You've been able to make magic happen. Tell me how it's done. And it turns out that that organization, Purpose-Built Communities, had not simply created a great school. What they'd done was surrounded it with high-quality housing, put a grocery store up the street, put a bank in that grocery store, really walked the walk of this thing that we now more colloquially think of as the social determinants of health. And as I continued in my professional journey, I really sought out working at the intersection of different spaces, uh, originally education and housing, now health and civic engagement, with the goal of always being upstream of major challenges and making sure that we can make the biggest impact by getting ahead of the issues that generate these social determinants. Wow. What? powerful posters from kids in elementary school. We have a lot to learn from kids. Absolutely. All right. So Davey, let's talk with you for a minute. So what's your background and when did you get engaged with Vote ER and what's your role with the organization? My background is uh, I'm, I'm an ER nurse by training. I've also worked critical care. I've been a nurse for about 10 years. Uh, I also am a uh, uh, an adjunct faculty member in, in Philadelphia as well. So I, I teach nursing students as well. Growing up in the DC suburbs, I'd sort of always been sort of more politically charged and I have an MPH uh, as well as an MSM. And so my focus in my MPH was on the intersection of nursing education and uh, engendering nurses into being more involved in 
the political po- process and, and policy process. So I, I kind of came about Votiyar uh, this past year during the election when its goal was to, to try to get patients registered to vote. And I thought to myself when I saw this, like, this is absolutely brilliant. And I, it, you know, it was utilized by not just myself, but other members in my department, you know, when you're triaging patients, you know, when you're done, you know, getting all the information that you need to triage, I was able to say, you know, one last question, it's an odd one, but are you registered to vote? And they'd say, well, no. And so I could use the lanyard uh, and the QR code to, to get them, you know, the information that they need. And so that was just a, a surprisingly novel and easy uh, way to get people involved in the political process and the, in the electoral process. And, it, you know, it was not, not a, not nearly as difficult as you might think uh, when you're used to talking to strangers all day as an ER nurse. It's my role. I'm, I'm a member of the ER, of, of Vote ER. I'm just a happy warrior, you know, uh, helping sort of promote nursing uh, and nurses in, in the, the political uh, process and, and getting them more engaged in uh, policy and, and, and the whole shebang. Well, I'll say that I also thought the vote ER concept was brilliant when I first saw it as well. And I am not a clinician, so I can't really enroll patients because I don't take care of patients anymore. But I wished I had because I would have loved to be able to help people register to vote. What was the reception like in your hospital, Davey, and then Aaliyah, um, just from other practitioners that you've heard of, were patients responsive? Were other providers responsive to what you were trying to do? So, so anecdotally, uh, patients were very receptive. I think they were surprised, but certainly not. Uh, they weren't as they were surprised by the question for the split second that it was happening. But once it was asked, it was much more commonplace. I think. I think maybe being in, in West Philly in a city that is, is, you know, prides itself on, on being, you know, you know, the birthplace of, uh, you know, American democracy. I think voting is inherently just something that we're inherently proud of, I think in Philadelphia. And so for me, at least it was surprisingly not surprising. Patients were receptive. A lot of them were registered, um, but those weren't, who weren't were very appreciative and they, they did it, or at least they told me they did it. And were any of your colleagues skeptical of what you were doing? Did you get any pushback? I don't think I got any pushback, but I, I, I think some people were more interested in doing it than others. I think politics can be sort of sticky and voter registration can be kind of some, make, people, some people, make some people uncomfortable because it, it can be a very sensitive topic for some people. But you have to remind people that registering people to vote in itself is not partisan. So you just have to sort of just remind people that. And so I would sometimes explain that to my coworkers who were a little hesitant. Yeah, Aaliyah, I mean, I'm interested with how you're able to get something like this into hospitals and health systems who typically tend to try and stay away from quote unquote politics, even though Davey, you're absolutely right. Voter registration should not, should be apolitical. Um, but I'd love to learn more about the process. Like how do you get something like this into a health system? Excellent, excellent question. The National Voter Registration Act uh, is the law that made it so that when you, Marion, or you, Davey, or anyone goes to their DMV, that they're required to ask about voter registration. 
And it turns out that that same law actively encourages other organizations to promote voter registration as well. So interestingly, the, the legal part of this is that this is a, a perfectly normal thing. It, it happens to be a fluke that DMVs do it more than other spaces like hospitals, but there's completely precedent for hospitals to be one of those spaces where that's a major topic. I wish I could tell you we had some magic formula, but the reality is that most people came to us. For example, Penn Medicine came straight to us, wanted to do uh, this work in their hospital. We had about 300 partnering hospitals, clinics, social work departments last year, and then also major national associations like the American Academy of Pediatrics, all of whom felt that this was important. And, and frankly, many of whom had already these one-off voter engagement efforts that they were doing, but no way to track it, no way to unify it. So we were filling in for a need that people felt was there, and we were able to provide them really easy to use tools, simple ways to track their progress. And ultimately at the end of the year, when we did sort of our surveys and our talks with stakeholders and all these things, what we heard back was people loved using their healthy democracy kit with patients, that the response they got from patients was positive, that it was a, a low lift way to engage in the kind of political process. And there was a lot of enjoyment that came from, from this work. Davey, you mentioned that voter registration, apolitical, but I'm curious, last year, obviously, was a very political time in this country, pre-election. And as a nurse, there were a lot of organizations trying to stay out of politics. I'm wondering what your view is on nurses or the nursing profession being political and what you think about us as a profession using our voice in that way? So that's an excellent question, Marianne. Uh, I guess it, it, it can vary from nurse to nurse, but for me, I think because of my background and I think because of my love of the whole democratic process, uh, I, I see nurses as a, a fundamentally essential part of this. We are advocates at, uh, to our core. We advocate, we advocate, we advocate, you know, whether it be for our patients or for ourselves. And sometimes when we're, we're advocating for the, both of them, it, it requires going beyond the bedside. And I think we sort of have to remind ourselves that we're incredibly good at caring for patients. And we really have that boots on the ground understanding that a lot of other professions don't have about what's going on in the day-to-day -day modalities of healthcare. That I think it, it really we owe it to, to our patients and to ourselves to be more involved when we can. We, 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 there's, there's 4.5 million nurses in the United States. That's a large, it's a large voting block. That's a large group of people to influence policy. And more importantly, we're, we're the most trusted profession or we've been the most trusted profession for the better part of two decades. So not only are there a lot of us, but, but we're, people trust us, people value our opinions. And so I feel like when you have that trust it should be utilized for the betterment of us all. So do you know how many nurses are involved with Vote ER or are out there actively involved? Yes, we probably have the lower end of the estimate. We know that 1,200 nurses have signed up through Vote ER to get involved in our work to get a healthy democracy kit. That doesn't necessarily count people who work at 
organizations that got involved and then shared tools with their communities. That's just individual nurses who requested our work. And, and Marion, we didn't do any marketing last year. We didn't, this was word of mouth and people sharing it on their social media. And in our view, nurses really got it. The work originated from an ER doctor and yet nurses understood that this was something that could be transformative for their profession and for their patients. And when we look at the variety of people within that, we've got all different types of nurses within that range. We've got those working in psychiatry, in the ER, uh, in pediatrics, in school nurses. So it was a really, really broad range of different parts of the profession. And what was the overall impact of VoteER in terms of the number of voters that you registered? And do you see this taking place across the country? Yeah, we had both healthcare providers and engagement in our work all across the country, which is really incredible. And about 48,000 people started some sort of process through our system. Uh, It could be that they started a voter registration process. Last year, we know, was a really unique year where voting and health uh, overlapped in many ways. One of them was if you had a partner who was immunocompromised or uh, if you were particularly concerned about COVID, you might not want to show up in person to vote. So we also offered the opportunity to request your absentee ballot. And so all combined, about 48,000 people started that process through, through the work that we did. 48,000 people. That's incredible. And I'm sorry, I think you said this, but Vote ER as an organization just began a couple years ago, correct? So this was, was this the first election that where you were registering voters ahead of? Yeah, the, the work kind of formulated and solidified in the fall of 2019 in, in you know, a way that allowed us to register voters, for example, But to your point, 2020 was the year that it kind of had its first uh, debut, so to speak, during uh, a more major national election year. And that was, I think that the confluence of the national election, the public health crisis that we faced, the racial reckoning that was happening around our country, made it a particularly challenging moment for our nation, but also a space where nurses like Davey, where doctors like Dr. Martin, where people across the country found a way to step up and step into that space. And we were lucky as VoteR to be one of the ways that people could engage. You know, as a nurse, researcher, public health practitioner, I am so curious, are you tracking all of these data? Do you plan on doing any analyses around, you know, who registered to vote where they registered to vote? You know, is there some way to determine if they would have registered to vote if you hadn't contacted them through this Vote ER program? It just seems like there's so much we could learn from this initiative. That's a, a great question and one that is is facing us as well. The way that we're tackling it now is twofold. The first is it turns out that there's a delay in how the secretaries of state report data. Um, And so we kind of have to wait till the summer to do a full analysis, which is frustrating, but real. Uh, And so we're excited to dig in deeper. We've started doing some preliminary analysis. And then the other thing we're doing internally is how do we make sure that our systems do a better job capturing data so that there's more to evaluate and look at. 
uh, over the years. So we're excited for both parts of that. Obviously, elections don't go away. We have the midterms coming up. What's the future look like for Vote ER? Yeah, and, and even before the midterms, you know, this is an odd year like no other. We went into last year not expecting to have the year that we had as a country. All of a sudden, COVID came along, everyone's plans changed, and states landed up really opening up how they think about voting and really doing some incredibly innovative things out of necessity. And where we find ourselves now is the question of whether we will embrace those changes and you know, believe that those increased forms of access are the way that we should go as a country, as a democracy, or will we you know, turn back some sort of clock? And so even in the absence of um, an immediate national election, we have a lot of discussion going on that shows just how important it is for the messengers around voting to be people who are as trusted as nurses, people who are as trusted as doctors have been this past year. So the work continues on a day-to-day basis. And there is about a dozen, sorry, excuse me, two dozen major mayoral races this year, plus countless other local races. And when we think about why did people get engaged in this work, they're doing it because they care about racial equity. They're doing it because they care about the social determinants of health. And it's those local elections that often make the difference between whether you have a grocery store in your neighborhood, whether you have a a safe park in your neighborhood, whether you have housing that isn't overly crowded and doesn't have lead in it. Those sorts of decisions don't really get made at the, the midterm level or the presidential level. They get made much more close to home. So we're really excited about helping both healthcare providers uh, dig into those local elections and also to make sure patients know that those elections are where their vote can go so far, can count so much more in terms of impacting what's happening around them. Yes, thank you so much for mentioning that. My brain always defaults to the major elections, but you're right, the local elections are really on some level so much more important and to be able to continue to register voters so that they can participate in those local elections is really, again, just so very important. So it sounds like then vote ER continues and depending on voter registrations in your location, healthcare providers can continue to use the lanyard and register their patients. Oh, absolutely. None of our tools were, were just built for you know, a short period or anything like that. They all will continue to work for, as far as we know, the years to come. And then you mentioned that there's a lot of talk and potential policies going on now looking at how people voted last year and not wanting the clocks to get turned back. Is your organization doing anything to help lobby politicians, community members around those topics? We are an explicitly nonpartisan organization. We, we don't do advocacy. What we do do is we care deeply about trusted messengers who can help any patient get over whatever hurdles there are to registering to vote. And you can think about that both from the abstract sense, Davey already mentioned, in nurses are the most trusted profession in America, have been for decades, and that trust only went up over the last year. And 
trust is the bedrock of our democracy. And so as these challenges are coming up that could impact how easy or hard it is to vote, we, we need even more the trusted messengers like nurses and like doctors and social workers to be helping patients get that last little mile to be able to vote. An example, uh, last week, one of our teammates was catching up with a nurse who's part of OER. And when she was helping patients last fall to get registered, she would at discharge, and I do this like democracy at discharge concept, uh, which was, was raised to us by one of our advisors. She would help people register at discharge. And she said, if you have any trouble, call this number. The number wasn't a voter registration hotline. It was her office number because she knew that that was the most trusted way to make sure that the patient followed through and actually got registered. So we don't directly engage in the advocacy piece. And also, no matter what happens this year, it's still going to be incredibly important to help patients in all the different states with the flurry of different ways that you register to vote in different places to know the best way for them to engage in the democratic process. I love that so much. Democracy at discharge. That is just a really incredible idea. I cannot take any credit for the phrase. We were talking with um, Dr. Liz Cohn. She's a, a professor of nursing at um, uh, CUNY, and it was uh, entirely her language. So I do not want to steal her thunder or claim in any way to be my own. Well, sounds like it's a program Vote ER should adopt. With her advice, we are, com- we are completely working on that. That's incredible. So selfishly, you know, I would love to have a vote ER badge so that when I'm out, you know, at protests or on campus or, you know, wherever I am in my daily life, I could register voters. Is that a no-no? We love for people to do innovative things like that. And what we found last year was people took their badges to Black Lives Matter protests. Uh, They took them to uh, drive-through COVID testing sites there was this incredible team at Duke University. We, we did this cool competition where teams from different schools could compete on, on how engaged they could, they could get their patients and their uh, colleagues and their family members. And this team at Duke wrote this sign that said, honk if you want to register to vote. And then without touching anything or rolling down a window, they'd show them their badge and the person in the car would, would finish their registration. So it's absolutely great to do this anywhere. And that's part of that's in fact, that's part of the point is everybody, when it comes to down to it, Marianne, everyone's a patient. The word patient involves pretty much everyone out there. And so it's it's great when people can do it in their healthcare settings. And it's also completely great when they're engaging in it outside those spaces. Okay. You just made me really happy. I can't wait to start registering voters. Look out, Philly. So Davey, if other nurses were interested in getting involved with Vote ER, or they were on the fence about it. What would you say to encourage them? And I'm sorry, not even not just other nurses, other healthcare providers in general, because this is a team effort. Democracy is a team effort. So, what would you say to those healthcare providers to help them feel confident that this is an initiative that they should be involved with? Well, first for nurses, I certainly would say that, you know, we have to sort of prove the Woodhall study wrong 
And I think we need to, we need to, for those of you who don't know, the Woodhull study showed that nurses' voices are just disproportionately smaller than the size of their profession, both in 1997, when it first came out, in 2017, uh, when it was revisited. The media just doesn't pay attention to us, which is, again, odd because we're the most trusted profession. And to sort of add on to that, nurses, we just have a, a deep skill set uh, that is, that's just ideal for, for, for helping shape policy and getting people interacting with people and that also goes for for all clinicians for that matter but really you know again I guess because I'm a nurse I, I think like a nurse our skill set goes way beyond the sort of touchy-feely that we see in our popular imagination and what we know and have to say can really pay off big dividends to patients so that's what I would say to, to, to my fellow nurses and clinicians you know what we say and do pays off and has big dividends to patients we should use our use our acumen and our 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 garner, uh, you know, our trust that we've garnered to really get people involved and and get them involved in the democratic process. I think, you know, again, I, I always read a harbinger back to this, but we as nurses advocate, you know, what's more noble than that and to advocate for our patients, whether it be at the bedside or beyond the bedside through the ballot box and through registering people to vote. I mean, you make such great points. Health and healthcare, public health is a holistic, they're holistic disciplines. And, you know, Aaliyah, you've said it numerous times now, the social determinants of health are really what we need to be addressing for on a holistic level for all of our patients. And what better way to do that than to help people register to vote where they then have a voice in what determines their social needs and their health and health care. So again, I am a huge fan of Vote ER, and I really appreciate the work that you did in 2019 and 2020, and the work that you're continuing to do in 2021 and forward. So for those who want to get a Vote ER health democracy kit, how do they sign up? Such an excellent question. We will we'll put the link in the blurb about the about the podcast, but it's voteer.org, vot-er.org slash kit. And that'll take you straight there. It's a free kit and it basically lets you help your patients register to vote or get their absentee ballot. And uh, it's easy to use and it should come within a couple of weeks. Great. Is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know before we end? I think for me, the big takeaway is that uh, I sort of, I, I reiterate this back to, to my years when I canvassed and, and worked in, uh, in campaigns, both local and presidential. You know, democracy is not a spectator sport. Neither is nursing. You know, we, we have to sort of be in the trenches, be in the weeds, sort of get out of our comfort zone. It's it's odd to to be a healthcare professional and sort of do something that doesn't seem inherently what we're trained to do, but sort of I say take it, you know, take it back a step and look at it from a more global sense and remind remind yourself that what you're doing is in at its core advocacy. And I I'm going to repeat myself, but what's more noble than that? My my closing thought is a, a personal story, which is when I moved from Boston to Atlanta, I was trying to figure out primary care provider and whatnot. And I really wanted someone who I could work closely with, who I could trust, who I could ask questions to. And I landed up choosing a nurse as my primary care provider. And I remember this moment, I was in the hospital with a family member 
And the clinic called me about, about something related to my lab tests. And I mentioned, you know, that I was in distress. I was at the hospital. And two days later, my primary care provider, this nurse checks in with me and says, Hey, how are you? How are you doing? And if that type of trust and energy can get funneled into our work at VODR in an even bigger way over the coming years, it's just incredible what the profession of nursing can do for democracy and through democracy. And we're really, really excited to continue to innovate and grow through a broader partnership with nurses. Well, Aliyah, Davey, again, thank you so much for all of your work. And I really look forward to both registering voters, but then also following the work of your organization. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much, Marian. Hello, Marian. Hey, Angela. How's it going? It's amazing. How are you? I am good. I was so incredibly excited to talk with Aliyah and Davey from Vote ER. And I first heard about that program, just like Davey, I was super stoked to, to learn about it and to see what they were doing in terms of registering voters in the hospital setting. Yeah, I think we don't get creative enough with the intersection of politics with healthcare and the social determinants of health and public health. Like their approach was so incredibly creative and yet it makes so much sense. It's one of those things that, you know, no one ever did it before. And then once you see it done, you were like, why haven't we been doing that the whole time? Like it makes total sense. Yeah, totally. And the fact that we could have been doing it this whole time, that there was a law saying that you can, and that for whatever reason, the DMV has become the default. But now hopefully with vote ER, hospitals will become the default. And everybody should have the opportunity to vote. Everybody should have the opportunity to register to vote. And we should make it as easy as possible for people to do that. And what better place to approach that issue but in the hospital setting where most of the time you're waiting around anyway, but even more importantly, who better than healthcare providers to talk with patients about voting and the importance of voting? Like we were saying earlier, we're advocating for democracy. We're not advocating for a party. Right. And voting is a nonpartisan endeavor. And so the more people we can get to use their voice in the polling Boots the better because you know people need to have that choice to vote for the politicians and the policies that affect them. True. Amplify Nursing is hosted by Dr. Angela Rosa Di Donato and Marion Leary, and produced by the University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing. With special thanks to our Department of Information Technology Services for their assistance. Music for the podcast was created by Harper Leary. The podcast is made possible by the Krista and Rich Panola Fund for Innovation in Nursing. Follow us on Twitter at Penn Nursing. Until next time, keep pushing over, under, around, and through. We want to thank you for listening to the Amplify Nursing podcast and remind you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, or wherever you enjoy your podcast listening. And if you can, please do us a solid and rate and review us as well. It will go a long way in amplifying our episodes.